0: And salam. Welcome to Muslim Viewpoint, a new podcast series powered by American Muslim Today, a groundbreaking non-profit digital newspaper which champions civic engagement. AMT informs and empowers the diverse voices of almost 30 million Muslims here in the U.S. and other Western countries. I'm Rafat Malik, I'm AMT's Editor-in-Chief, and today we have an interview with Dr. Javed Hashmi. He's the Research Director for the Muslim Public Affairs Council, or MPAC, and it's about the art history professor who was fired from Minnesota's Hamlin University for showing a 14th century depiction of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. This week, Erica Lopez Prater's faculty colleagues called for the resignation of the university's president. This comes in the wake of her attorneys filing a lawsuit for defamation. From the outset, MPAC joined others in calling for the professor to be reinstated her position. Dr. Hashmi spoke to our reporter, Mai
1: So how were the rights of the professor, of Professor Prater, how were her First Amendment rights, specifically freedom, uh, freedom of speech and religion violated by being um, fired over this?
2: Sure. Thanks so much for the question. I think it's actually a very complex answer. Um, I think we should speak more of academic freedom than First Amendment rights. Um, I think freedom of speech is hotly contested. I would argue that there really is no such thing as absolute freedom of speech as much as I myself. In the past, I was a, quote unquote, free speech absolutist until I started reading some philosophical works about free speech, including Stanley Fish's There's No Such Thing as Free Speech. Now I have come to the realization that even though there's no such thing as free speech, it's more of a pious fiction, but it's a good pious fiction. And we should encourage the idea that we should not curtail speech as much as possible. Now, of course, in the university setting, you're not going to allow everything and anything, you're not going to allow, for example, a teacher to spew, you know, white supremacism, Nazism, et cetera. So there are obviously limits. But I think we should um, preserve academic freedom. And we should Uh, encourage viewpoint diversity in the university setting. So I've kind of switched from this kind of line of absolute free speech to what I call a viewpoint diversity. And I think that's what was being curtailed when it came to the professor.
1: Right. And so why has Impact joined others in calling for the reversal of um, Prater's firing?
2: So we think what the professor was doing is very important, which is contrary to what was initially out there, Um, It was not the case that she was showing an Islamophobic image or she was motivated by Islamophobia. Rather, she was actually trying to combat Islamophobia. And the way she was trying to do that um, was very important. She was showing that Islam is not monolithic. Islam is internally diverse. One of the principles of religious literacy is that religions are internally diverse. And that's an important principle to uphold if you want to combat Islamophobia. So Islamophobes wanna portray Islam in a very monolithic fashion, and the monolithic strand that they show is usually the most ultra-conservative, even extremist understanding of Islam, and sometimes even a caricature of that. So by showing the diversity in the Islamic tradition historically, that professor is actually combating Islamophobia, and she even explicitly said as much, that that was her intent. So I think she should be applauded for that. And so our organization, MPAC, wanted to come to her defense uh, for that reason,
1: yeah. And so, um, if at all, why is this image considered to be offensive? And then, how should have how should the student's complaint been handled instead?
2: Sure. So, this issue of images of the prophet and cartoons of the prophet is kind of a recurring issue. Every couple years, every year, there's always some sort of controversy going on my entire life in fact i've seen this going on and we at impact believe that from a religious perspective it's mistaken for muslims to react in this uh, rageful angry way protesting violently or um, you know threatening people's lives et cetera. we think this all goes against the quran and the prophetic example as embodied in the quran itself um, the Quran tells us when ignorant people or foolish people attack one's religion, then the proper response is to either ignore and even preferably to uh, respond back with words of peace. And so we think that's the proper response to Islamophobic images, let alone here. In this case, it wasn't even an Islamophobic image. So even all the more reason not to respond in a kind of closed minded way. So. That's number one. Um, and I think your second question was, how do you think the university should have responded to the uh, student complaints? So I think um, we shouldn't completely discount the local organization that did keep take into consideration the students on the ground who did take offense and they were privy to certain information about issues related to race and what's going on on campus. So I think that's important context to keep in mind. Um, so I think the university should have handled this in a very delicate fashion, um, maybe by having a joint meeting with the professor and the students that were complaining. Um, I think that would have been a better route than to just reflexively have fired the professor. That wasn't firing the, the professor was an adjunct professor, so they just failed to renew her contract. But that's an effective firing. And that's another issue entirely, which is the issue of adjunct professors, which unfortunately they are treated very poorly. But I don't even think this is really ultimately an issue of um, free speech and wokeism as, as is being portrayed in the media. Really, this is about an administration that didn't want to deal with any controversy and they were trying to take the path of least controversy and ironically it backfired and now all they are is in the news and getting um, all this controversy on them. So I think they bumbled and they made a mistake um, but they could have handled it in, in a much better way by just having a meeting with the different sides and having them talk it out
1: yeah definitely um so what do you say to those muslims including the students at hamlin who were genuinely upset about the idea of showing any image of the prophet um, which is often considered wrong by most muslims
2: yeah so and we're not passing a religious judgment or a fatwa that whether or not it's okay to depict the prophet and we do acknowledge that many muslims perhaps most muslims especially in the modern period oppose depicting the prophet. Uh, um, We just want them to appreciate the fact that there are differences of opinion within the Islamic tradition, and also that um, we shouldn't allow one ideology or theology or group to dictate their views on everyone else. So we should acknowledge that Shia Muslims have had historically a difference of opinion on this issue. So they didn't have as much a problem with depicting the prophet, or some of the companions, or like like Ali. Um, So we should keep that in mind. Um, So we can acknowledge that uh, religiously, you're you're completely within your rights to say that you don't like pictures of the prophet. I myself do not depict the prophet um, pictorially. Um, So I'm on board with that. But at the same time, you just have to recognize facts that historically that has not been the case all the time. And so that is where I think there was a role for education. And I think that's what the professor was trying to do. and maybe they could have done more of that by having to be more personalized meetings between the student, the professor, and maybe somebody from the faculty, and perhaps someone from an outside organization um, like Care of Minnesota. Maybe that would have been a good way to have, have gone.
1: And why do you feel it's important that as a Muslim organization um, to publicly speak out on this matter and show support for Prater and her role as an educator?
2: So my primary motivation and I think the motivation of the organization is that we really feel that we Muslims need to get past this issue uh, because it keeps coming up. Uh, it keeps coming up and we keep, unfortunately, some Muslims keep falling for the dates. Um, there are provocateurs who are purposely, they purposely draw images of the Prophet, offensive images, racialized images, all images that we don't support, but we're just giving them more attention. I remember growing up there was a movie that came out that was called The Siege, and it was... I had never watched it, actually, but apparently it was very Islamophobic, uh, portraying Muslims as terrorists or whatever. I, I don't really know. I didn't watch it. But I remember we organized protests, uh, Muslims did, and the movie itself actually would have likely have been a flop. It got very low ratings by um, pundits. But because we protested it so much, people we gave them free press, and so... They sold more tickets, more people watched it, and so we really need to understand that fact. And so the proper response, we believe, is to ignore and preferably to respond with words of peace and calmness and then depict our prophet in an honorable way, which is to talk about him and his teachings in a way that befits his uh, nobility and not portraying him as this violent person who would respond and lash out this way.
1: And is free speech an absolute principle? I know you kind of already touched on this, um, but are there situations where speech should be censored? Um, For instance, if a well-documented Islamophobe is invited to speak in an academic setting, um, is there a price of freedom of expression?
2: Again, this is a very great question. I think it's a difficult one. Like I said previously, I had been a free speech absolutist and my sympathies are still lying in that direction. So I strongly believe in engaging the other side in debate and dialogue. This is why I debated Robert Spencer of Jihad Watch. During that debate, I did not just call him an Islamophobe and just try to get him canceled from that standpoint, because I believe that by engaging his ideas and him, I can show that there's nothing that he has or says that can scare me or I'm, I'm not able to respond. Often people want to cancel people or silence them based on the fact that they feel that they can't reason their way or debate their way um, and their viewpoint. So I think it's important that we engage the other side. We encourage viewpoint diversity. Of course, universities are going to strike some sort of balance. Like I said, they're not going to have neo-Nazis coming on campus. Nonetheless, I do think within the realm of, of reasonableness, we should encourage diversity of opinion. And I am worried about the constraining of viewpoints on university campuses. I, myself, I'm finishing up my PhD at a you know at Harvard, and it is, I think, worse at certain you know let's let's call it what it is, elite universities. It I think the freedom of speech issue is worse on those campuses, and um, I noticed this when I realized I was looking around my cohort. Not a single one of them voted Republican, or would at least admit to that. Um, let alone even on the Democratic side. It was, I mean. It, it really is something that I think we should seek out people from the other side to dialogue with and discuss with, even if we strongly disagree with them. And so I think there is a need to cultivate, like I said, viewpoint diversity.
1: Yeah, I, I do agree. Um, and then I just have one last question for you. So impact recently took part in a webinar where you had uh, writers like Mustafa, a who um, has written for our platform and contribute to our platform um, on the issues of rights, um, considering minority religions in Muslim countries and in Western nations as well. Uh, So what have been the main takeaways about religious freedom in this situation?
2: Yeah, that's great. So we definitely align with Mustafa Akial on these issues, which is why we were so pleased to invite him and that he agreed to that invitation. Um, We believe that this is intrinsic to our faith and the Quran. So we don't think that this is a modern secular liberal ideal exclusively we think we are going back to the original source which is the quran and we feel that religious freedom is intrinsic to the quran the prophet fought for religious freedom of his community as well as for the idea in general so the quran shows this kind of represent sorry that's a tough word reprec uh reprecosity that's a tough word to say but it was a bilateral. Um, uh, I'll get the word. I actually had to practice this before. But there's a bilateral understanding in the Quran that freedom of religion is only justified if you're doing it bilaterally. And so there's the idea in the Quran, to to me, my religion, to you, your religion. This was not just to Jews and Christians, but this was actually to the pagans. And so the Quran acknowledges that if we're going to defend our freedom of religion, we need to defend freedom of religion and belief on the other side as well. And historically, when it comes to the West, uh, secular liberalism, freedom of belief started from the idea of freedom of religion. That was the crux of it. So John Locke is the one who argued for this, and it was on distinctly religious grounds that he did. So we feel we're just following the same line of thinking when it comes to Islam.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us this week from me and Maya. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at american muslim today and if you'd like to read more about the story and access more digital content feel free to check out our website americanmuslimtoday.com we'll see you next week on the muslim viewpoint